forever on this earth that, hey, man, I, I used to think, I'm 37 now, I used to think that was old. You know, I thought, golly, I'm going to get 37 one day. And now I'm looking at 40. I'm, I'm almost there. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I sneezed yesterday and my back hurt the rest of the day. That's true story. True story. And I know what, don't tell me, I know what some of you are thinking. I don't get any better. I don't want to hear that. Let me live in my misery, okay? I don't want to hear about your misery. I literally woke up all by myself. It was wonderful. I'm, I'm normally the first to get up anyway. I walk in the living room. I make the coffee. I walk back in the living room. I sneeze, and there goes my back tightened up the rest of the day. And I thought, well, this getting old thing is awful. I don't. Life is brevet. The brevity of life. Uh, illustration. This is flawed illustration. If you were to tie a fishing line from uh, this wall all the way across to that wall, your life is nothing but a paper clip hanging on that string. With the brevity of life, it would be important for you and I to get it right. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, meaning you have one life. That's it. You get one chance at this life thing. And it would be best if you and I know what is our purpose in life. What has God put us here to do? And according to Jesus, your purpose in life is one main thing in two words, and that is make disciples. It's one main thing in two words, and that is to make disciples. That is your purpose in life, to make disciples. You say, well... My purpose in life, I thought, was to be a teacher. That's my desire. I love teach. I love to do this or to, to be this or be that. And those are my passions. Those are my desires. And yes, all of that's true. But undergirding all of that is to make disciples. As you go, as you teach, as you lead, as you go to your jobs and your homes, it is to make disciples. Every follower of Christ lives under this crystal clear mandate to make disciples disciples if you are a follower of Christ we have this clear mandate of his great commission to go make disciples there are no exceptions Jesus has called you to live a lifestyle of disciple making no matter your age no matter your gender no matter your nationality or skin color it is your supreme purpose in life to make disciples the problem is that disciple-making is not a strength for most Christians. And because it's not a strength for most Christians, disciple-making is not a strength for most churches. Because churches are not buildings, they are people. And if the people are not good at making disciples, then our churches are not good at making disciples. Which ought to be a concern for us. And you have to think with such a clear mandate. That Jesus says, go make disciples. That's what he said. Go make disciples. You would think with a clear mandate, how can we be so bad at it? How have we gotten it so wrong for so long? And there's two concerns, a couple of thoughts to consider. One concern is there is a common misconception about discipleship. There's a common misconception about discipleship. Most people would say, many people think of discipleship as just merely evangelism. We know what evangelism is. I hope you do. If you've come to church here at all, you know what evangelism is. It is simply sharing the gospel, telling people about Jesus, drawing people to the gospel of Christ and the salvation. Evangelism, we know what that is. 
the misconception about discipleship is most people would say or think that discipleship is merely evangelism. Now, without question, we ought to be involved in evangelism. Please don't hear me not say that. We ought to be involved in evangelism because Christ has given us the mandate to go make disciples. And a part of that is evangelism. People need to know the gospel. They need to know Jesus and what he has done. They need to know uh, all of the words to those wonderful songs we sang this morning. That he paid our debt, not in part, but the whole was nailed to the cross. And, and we praise him now. People need to know that. But the problem is most of our churches don't even do that. We're not even evangelizing. We're not even telling people about Jesus. Evangelism alone is not discipleship. And the reason why I say that is because a great numbers of people have been led to pray a quote-unquote sinner's prayer. Many people have been led to pray this prayer, say this, repeat after me but have never matured in faith or reproduced as a disciple. Many people, many others have made decisions for Christ and to be rarely seen in the church again. It's a major concern, a major concern. Our church, East Saboga, if you're new to East Saboga, we have a kind of a three-step process to become a member. Uh, that makes us very unique, I would think, and I'm okay with being unique. In order to become a member of East Aboga, uh, one of the steps is just coming and talking to one of the pastors. And, and it's not a job interview. I, I, I don't want people to think that. It's just a way for us to hear your testimony. When did you get saved? Tell me about your life. Uh, it's, a, it's a way that, that way we're not having people come down join a church that are lost. That happens. Another a second step is a membership class, membership one-on-one. Uh, in order for, to be a member, you must take membership one-on-one. That's built in our bylaws. Praise God for that. I'm thankful for that. Uh, it helps you to get to know the church a lot better. You get to know how we operate, how we believe, how we do things. This is who we are, the history of the church. Uh, that way you get a better idea of who we are as a faith family. And you get to say whether you want to be a part of that or whether you don't. This is not for me or this is for me. And we would rather do all of that up front. Let me tell you why we did that. There was a, a, a couple of years ago um, who started coming to the church. They, uh, they had never, uh, I, I knew one of them, they were married, and anyway, uh, knew one of them and, and knew the spouse a little bit. They started coming to church, and I was so excited, man. They, they started coming regular, 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 and I thought, man, this is wonderful. Praise God for this. And then, uh, one Sunday, just out of the blue, one Sunday, after months, I'm talking months of coming to church, faithfully, on Sundays, no, not necessarily Wednesdays and Sundays, they come down the aisle to join the church. Yes, amen, praise the Lord. Do you know, to my knowledge, since that day, have never stepped back foot in this church since. Never. I thought... Well, why would you do that? Why would you come so long and then come and join and then never? I'm telling you, to my knowledge, and that's not a whole lot, I get it. To my knowledge, doesn't go very far. They have never stepped foot back into this church. It was at that point I thought, we need to do something. And so, 
we began this process of church membership because we don't want people just saying the sinner's prayer, making a decision for Christ, and rarely stepping foot in the church again. For others, discipleship is about going deep into Bible study. Another misconception that discipleship is just a Bible study. That it, all it is is about listening someone teach and uh, reading some inspired book or participating in some Sunday school class. While all of those things are great, and you should be involved in all of those. You should, at every uh, in, um, moment or that you get the opportunity, you should go and hear the word preached. It's preached here multiple times a week. There's nothing wrong with podcasts, and, and I, I guarantee it's better than our radio stations. Get some podcasts. Listen to some great preachers. If, if you don't know of any, uh, I hope you know one. Um, but if you don't know of any other but one, I'll tell you some folks that I think, man, would be great for you to listen to on your way to work. It'd be better than listening to some of the garbage on the radio. Amen. Yeah, you'd learn a whole lot better theology than you do in a country song. But a lot of people think discipleship is just attending a Bible study. But just attending a Bible study alone is not discipleship. There's a lot of great educated, spiritually educated believers out there who have not and have failed to reproduce themselves. Look, let's be clear. Discipleship does involve both evangelism and teaching. But they, don't, they are not separated. They are joined together evangelism and teaching. The discipling process of Jesus joined together both of these things. A second concern of why the church is so bad at disciple making is we need a simple process of multiplication for discipleship. Not only is there misconceptions of what discipleship is, but we need a simple process of multiplication. And, and I'll be the first to tell you, look, I'm the shepherd. Uh, I'm the pastor of this church, the lead pastor. We have other pastors, but God has given me this unreal responsibility to be the lead pastor. And I will tell you this, uh, we have not done a good job of making a clear process to multiply disciples. And that's why we're going uh, to uh, this lifestyle change within our church to D-Line. Most churches today do not have a simple process for equipping believers to be and make disciples and to multiply disciples. And here's the thing. We're multiplying people, things in people. Uh, and, and we can do a really good job of that too. Uh, we're multiplying athletes where we spend all of our time in our, uh, with our kids and, man, uh, athletes, athletes, athletes. I, I had a conversation with a guy just the other day. Uh, we were in a gym, and, and uh, we were talking about sports and, and, you know, travel and all kind of sports. And, and he, he told me that, he said, man, Mike, you wouldn't believe the thousands and thousands of dollars we have spent in travel ball. And it don't have to be travel ball, it can be anything else. He said, we have spent thousands and thousands of dollars, and I had the audacity to ask him, and what did you get out of that? Like, what, what return have you gotten from that so far? Uh, well, we've, got, we've won some tournaments and got some trophies. I said, I can go buy you some trophies. They'll say, I'll save you a lot of money. Is there anything wrong with that? No. There's nothing wrong with sports and things like that, nothing wrong with activities and hobbies. But when they, when they take away your time with the Lord, they become an idol in your life. We're multiplying athletes. We're multiplying good students to make good grades. 
We're multiplying in our churches good little church members that come to church and they come to, you know, Sunday school and they tithe every now and then. And, and they're just a good little old church member. They're not multiplying. They're not growing in their faith. They're just a good old church member. And we're multiplying those, but the world does not need good little old church members. The world needs disciples who are making more disciples who are involved in evangelism and Bible reading and teaching and fellowship with one another. I came across this statistic. Every year, 2.7 million members fall into inactivity in our churches across the world. Every year, 2.7 million members of churches fall into inactivity. 2.7 million. This other statistic said within a 10-year period, Within this 10-year period, combined membership of Protestant denominations in the United States, just in the United States of Protestant congregations, denominations, which is Southern Baptist is one of those, within a 10-year period, membership declined by 5 million members. Listen to this. While the U.S. population within that 10 years increased by 24 million. So within a 10-year period, membership dropped by 5 million. The increase in population by 24 million. We need to be multiplying. But we're not. We're losing ground. There's no way you cannot make that assumption. The good thing is Jesus modeled this process for us. He modeled this disciple-making process. In his brief three years of ministry, he literally poured his life into the discipleship of 12 men. Jesus was living the D-life. Living the D-life means living a lifestyle of disciple-making. It's not one that competes with other ministries. It's one that completes all of our ministries. Our main thought for this morning is disciple-making is not a program. It is a lifestyle. Please, please do not look at disciple-making as another program because here's what happens. Programs start and programs what? Stop. There's a starting and a stop. Programs over the years in Southern Baptist history, programs have come and programs have gone. There's a starting and a stopping. Disciple-making is not a program. It's a lifestyle. It never ends. You're always doing discipleship, disciple-making in your life, and we'll see that. Mark chapter 3, if you have it, stand with me, read these couple verses together. Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, the beginning of the Lord's ministry. Mark chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus went up the mountain and summoned those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, to be with him, to send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. This is the beginning of Christ's ministry. And so you see what he does. He, after praying all night on the mountain, he summons those that he wanted. He went and picked some disciples, called them apostles, and they came to him. They answered the call to follow him. He appointed 12, whom he named apostles, to come and be with him, to go with him, to follow him, and then he was going to send them out, but not just send them out, but send them out with great authority to do great things. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we will become disciples who make more disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Jesus, early in his ministry, 
called a rather ordinary group of men to be his disciples to follow him. You see, in this time in Jewish culture, uh, a rabbi would sit and, and allow the best of the best students come to him and, and to the rabbi wanting to follow that rabbi. The, the, the task of a rabbi was to go city to city preaching and teaching uh, the scrolls, the, the, the Old Testament, and people would sit under their teaching. His disciples would follow him, go with him to learn what he's doing, and then eventually they would go out and do the same. But in this culture, a rabbi wouldn't go pick who they wanted. They would let the best come to them. And then they would choose out of the best. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus went out and he chose uh, ordinary men. Uh, men without a great education who were not greatly gifted and did not have a lot of great tasks to be in his D group. And it really shows us that anyone can be equipped for a lifestyle of disciple making. You could say, well, I don't have a lot of knowledge of the Bible. I don't have a lot of ta or, uh, gifts and talents. I don't have a lot of that. Well, here's Jesus proving you don't have to know a lot about the Bible. You don't have to have a lot of gifts or talents. You just have to be willing to follow. That's it. Surrender your life over to Jesus through salvation and follow Christ. Follow Jesus. And that's what they're doing. And that's what uh, they will do in their ministry. They will follow him. You know, it's amazing today, most people, uh, they come to the Lord through religious facts. There are great religious facts out there that if you believe upon Christ, you'll be saved. You confess your sins, repent of your sins, you'll be saved. And all of those are true. But there's a lot of people, a lot of believers, and I think this is why we're not making disciples and multiplying our disciples. I think it's because most people, a lot of people, have come to know the Lord through religious facts, and they're not following Jesus. You heard a fact. You said, you know what? I believe that fact. And it was a head knowledge fact that you believed in that Jesus did what he did. He is who he is and, said, and has done what he said he did. And we believed in that. But there's a difference between believing and following. And these men began to follow. So, observations number one. Disciple making is our supreme purpose in life. What is your purpose in life? It is disciple making. And for Jesus, disciple making was a first priority. After he spends all night in prayer on the mountain, he goes and calls those whom he desired to be his disciples, to come to him, follow him, listen to him, go do what he does and be who he is and say what he says. So making disciples is Christ-like. If you want to be Christ-like, the word Christian means Christ-like. You want to be like Christ. If you want to be like Christ, you must make disciples. Making disciples, disciple-making is your supreme purpose in life. Why? Because you are called to be like Jesus. And his huge priority in the life of Jesus was to make disciples to draw people to him, to pour his life out into them, and to send them out to go do the exact same thing he did with them. Few things are more Christ-like than making disciples. He intentionally trained them to be disciples who would go out and make more to reproduce themselves. Let me ask you this. If you were to reproduce yourself right now, would you reproduce good disciples? Or would you reproduce just a good old, just a good little old church member? 
is not really following Jesus. You just come to church and kind of live life and do your own thing and pour ourselves out for the things of this world and give God what's left over. Making disciples is Christ-like. If you want to be like Jesus, make disciples. Making disciples is commanded. It's a command from the Lord. We see that in the scriptures. Disciple-making is your supreme purpose. One, because you're called to be like Jesus. Two, because Jesus told us to make disciples. He commanded us to make disciples. Matthew 4, 19. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's what he said. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. here's, Here's a truth that we all need to hear. Pay attention to this. Write this down. If you are not fishing for men, then you are not following Jesus. Let me say it again. If you are not fishing for men, you are not following Jesus. Just to be clear, if you are not fishing for men, you are not following Jesus. Jesus. So what are we doing? What did Jesus come to do? Go fishing for men. Make disciples. Jesus says, if you follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So therefore, if you're not making fishers of men, you're not fishing for men, you're not following Jesus. This is the the gap problem in our churches. We're not following Jesus. We call, we say we're saved because we have gain some head knowledge and we have believed some religious facts of what the Bible says but we're not following Jesus and the, the, the unfortunate uh, truth is there are tons and probably thousands of millions of people who claim to be followers of Christ who have never fished for people And if that is the sole responsibility of followers of Christ to fish for people, then you must not be a follower of Christ. You may be just a follower of some religious facts that if you say this prayer, repeat this prayer, you'll go to heaven, you'll do not collect, do not pass go, you won't worry about hell, you're going to heaven, and nothing else matters. You're not following Jesus, you're following some facts about Jesus. If you're not fishing for men, you are not following Jesus. Now, let me say this. There are moments in your life where you may not be fishing for men. It does not mean that when you experience those times that you're not a follower of Christ. It just means in that moment, you're not following Jesus. And you need to get back to following Jesus. So it may be that in this room this morning, and man, in the early service, at 815 service, a, a room full of people just like this, even more. It may be that you're just not following Jesus. And you need to get back to following Jesus. We need to get back to stop sacrificing ourselves for the world and start following Jesus. Fishing for men means making disciples. We are to make disciples. Last command Jesus gave the followers in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We read this last week, preached on last week. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and verb, make disciples. 
It's the verb in that passage to make disciples. This great commission is not a great suggestion. It is a commission for all believers. Our lives should involve a never-ending process of making disciples who make disciples. So disciple-making is our supreme purpose in life. Why? Because you're a follower of Christ. What has Christ come to do? Make disciples. That's what he came to do. He came to seek and save that which is lost and make disciples so they can go out and, and share the gospel and make more disciples so we can reach the world for Christ, for the gospel's sake. Number two, disciple-making has a simple process to follow. Disciple-making has a simple process to follow. For Jesus, disciple-making was very simple. He made it so simple that this group of common men who he called to be his first disciples could follow his plan of disciple-making. He called his disciples to simply just be with them. Let's just come together. Let's just spend some time together. And for three years, he literally poured his life into this discipleship group, this D group of 12 men. Poured his life over. From Jesus, we learn that the process of disciple-making works best through the caring relational environment of a small discipleship group or a D group. For us, a D group could be as small as three to five people who meet anywhere, anytime. It could meet in your home. It could meet at Waffle House or Cracker Barrel or Chick-fil-A at your workplace before your job begins. Anywhere, any place. But three to five people, no more than eight, the best for the, uh, the success of this group. And by reading the Gospels, we look at the ministry of Jesus as uh, he discipled these men. We learn six practices of disciple-making that Jesus modeled for us in his D group. These six practices of D-life. One, fellowship. Jesus called his disciples to come to have intimate relationship or fellowship with him. So fellowship is a practice for a D-group. As a discipleship group, fellowship. Number two, teaching. Jesus taught his disciples using stories and interactive group discussions. We have the Bible. So we teach the Bible. We read the Bible together. Number three, prayer. Jesus prayed with his disciples and taught them how to pray too. This is how you do it. Four, ministry. Jesus did ministry with the disciples and sent them out for ministry and evangelism. He showed them how to do it, and then he gave them some leadership. To, now you go do it. Remember, he sent out the 70 to go do some amazing things. He showed them how, and then he involved them. In, let me show. Now, now I want you to kind of go and be a part of ministry. Five, multiplication. Jesus equipped his disciples to be disciple makers and commissioned them to go and make more disciples. Not only was he worried about training them, but he wanted them to multiply. So all 12 of them, each one would go five, three, five, or six, seven people of their own. So you're not adding, you're multiplying. Now instead of 12 people who are great disciples, you have 12 that are going out and finding their own five, six, seven people. And they're making more disciples. So we're growing. The church is multiplying. And then accountability. Jesus held his disciples accountable to these six practices of disciple making. John 13, 15, Jesus says, For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. He's given us an example of how to disciple people. And so we need to follow this example that he's given us. We cannot invent a better disciple-making process than that of Jesus. So therefore, it would be wise for us to go back and make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. I would say he got it right. He did it right. That's why we read in the scriptures of, of the miraculous things that God did in the New Testament because his disciple-making process lasted. 
Number three, disciple-making has the spiritual power to transform lives. I cannot tell you the value. Listen, I'm in a discipleship group right now. Um, I was in two of them. Now I'm, I'm in one. Uh, and it is a, a discipleship group with pastors. It, there's six of us in this group. And I meet. we meet every Wednesday morning. And, and I want to tell you, uh, I have... Um, I love uh, fellowship with people. I love uh, getting around other pastors. I, I love that. I enjoy that. I love hearing from them. They can teach me. I learn from them. Um, but then I also love to share my passions too. And I, I'm not saying I have great wisdom or, or a great uh, experience or anything. I, sometimes I think we think wisdom comes from experience. No, wisdom comes from the Lord, not from experience. I know a lot of old people that are older, older people that have done some foolish things. Just because their experience don't mean they're wise. Wisdom comes from the Lord. You can be wise because it comes from the Lord. Young people, be wise. It comes from the Lord. That's why the Bible says don't let them look down on your youth. Why? Wisdom comes from the Lord, not from experience. Now, we gain a lot of wisdom from experience, don't we? We learn some things. We need each other. That's why you need to be in a small group, a discipleship group. You learn from one another. I, can, I share with these guys some struggles that I have. I don't share them with you. Why? Because you won't listen to me then. If you knew what was in this old heart of mine, you probably wouldn't come back to church here. I talk about some of you sometimes. They're just frustrating me. They won't listen. I give them great advice, I think. They go do opposite. <laughs> what do I do about that? Man, these pastors get to pour into me. Not only that, they get to hold me accountable. We're doing scripture memorization. I know what you're thinking. I can't remember scripture. I'm not good at that. You're lying. You just don't want to memorize scripture. A song comes on the radio, you know the whole thing. Next song, you know that song. Next one, you know that song. You can remember songs from 30, 40, 50 years ago. We don't have a problem with memorization. We just have a problem with memorizing the right things. So they're holding me accountable to that. And that's what we need. I, I thoroughly enjoy that discipleship group that I'm in, and I need that in my life. It's transformational. It transforms us. Listen, the, it says in verse 15, Mark is indicating that Jesus gave his disciples authority to cast out demons. I mean, I look... I don't know if we're in the demon casting out business, but Jesus gave these old ordinary men authority to go to demons. Now, this is real life stuff. To go to a demon and just cast them out of somebody. You said only God can do that. Oh, yeah, God gave them the authority to do it. Can God give you the authority to do the same thing? Absolutely. And the best way to do that is getting a small group of people. There are people all across this room, even in our 815 service, uh, there are personal demons in your life, things that you are battling, personal demons. And listen, if you'll get into a discipleship group and have great fellowship, ministry with one another, loving one another, uh, teaching, prayer, multiplication, accountability, God, it'll be a powerful spiritual transformation can occur through this loving accountability of a deep root. You need it in your life. Let me tell you that. You need it. We all need it. John 14, 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will, be, will he do, because I am going to the Father. Now, the question is, 
He's Christ, God in the flesh, the Messiah. How in the world are these 12 ordinary guys, and you and me, are able, how can we do greater works than Jesus? There's no way. You say, well, preacher, there's no way. I, I don't have the power that Jesus had. I don't have the perfections of Jesus. I don't have the righteousness. I'm an old sinner, and, and I mess up all the time. I don't have a lot of talents and gifts. What works is he talking about? And Jesus says, plain, clear today, you will do greater works than he. Greater works than Jesus. And what are those greatest works? How is it possible that we could do greater works than Jesus? Well, apart from death and resurrection, the main work of Jesus was to do what? Make disciples. And here's what Jesus is saying. What, what is the greater work? Disciple making is the greater work. Jesus was only in his ministry for about three years. Discipled 12 guys, and one of them, one of them uh, walked away. Had a bad attitude, and he walked away. Had the best pastor in the world, and he still walked away. Isn't that amazing? It may not be the pastor. <laughs> Three years he invested in these men. He told them, you're going to do greater things than me. What are the greater things? Disciple making. Because Jesus knew what's better than one person discipling a small group of people. Twelve people discipling small groups of people. So spiritually, no. Numerically, we can do greater things than Jesus. We can reach more people by discipling people and disciple-making and do a greater work. Are we doing a greater work of disciple-making than Jesus? Listen, what if everyone embraced disciple-making as a way of life? What if everyone would embrace this disciple-making way of life instead of this uh, just a, a program? I tell you what would happen. We would see revival. And I know this. We need revival. Amen. We need revival. Marriages would uh, uh, be mended. Relationships, children, teenagers would be uh, relationships mended to their uh, parents. Crime would go down. The churches would rise up. Man, the pews would not be able to hold everybody if we would just embrace this disciple-making culture. Uh, we need to be a disciple and make disciples. But where do we, where do we begin? I'm going to give you an illustration about a father, a son, and a Zebco 33. Who in here knows what a Zebco 33? Everybody in here, just about. If you don't know what a Zebco 33 is, if you'll come talk with me afterwards, I will buy you one um, with, the, with the church's credit card. And uh, I, I have one, and uh, we'll put that on some budget, or some budget line finance team. We'll put it somewhere. Uh, but uh, Zebco 33, probably one of the greatest fishing rod and reel combos ever made. Don't you think so? Just as simple as they could be. You push a button and just sling it out there. Let me give you an illustration. Suppose you had a father and a son. Father gives the son a Zepco 33 and he tells him there's a big body of water out there. I want you to go catch some fish. Now it would be crazy for this father to do that. Why? What would this kid do? Well, I, I don't know why he gave me this. What is this going to do? This kid's going to jump in this huge body of water, swim around aimlessly in his life, and he's going to reach and reach and reach and fail every time because that's not how you catch fish. The best way to do it would be this father to take his son and this Zebco 33 and say, Buddy, 
Here is the tool to catch fish. Here's how you do it. You take this mechanism. There's a line in there. You got to pull that line out. You got to push that button, pull the line out. You put it through these little bitty eyes on this rod. This is called a fishing rod. And when you get it to that last eye at the end of it, you pull the string down, and you got to take a hook. You tie that hook. Son, let me show you how to tie a hook on. So tie the hook on, and then you show them how to put a lure, whatever bait you want to use to catch fish. And a lot of lures are different, aren't they? Show them how to put a lure on this uh, rod and reel, on this hook. But that's still not enough because he don't know how to use it. You've shown him all the aspects of it, but he don't know how to use it. So then you tell the son, son, you push this little button right here, and you just bring your arm back here. And when you get to here, don't let go of that rod and reel. That's what people say. Right when you get to here, let go. You just, <laughs> I've seen it. I've done. Hey, experience. I've learned. <laughs> you think, surely you knew to hold on to that thing. People don't. They don't know. You got a little boy there, a little girl. He said, right when you get here, hold on to that rod, but let go of that button with your thumb. And I'm telling you, the most amazing thing will happen. That lure will fly out in that water, and it'll sink. And if you're not fishing with me, something will bite it. You're fishing with me. We're just having good fellowship. I'm not very, I don't know. I just, I, I'm, I'm a, I, I, I like to fish. I, I'm a fisherman, not a catcherman, I guess. I don't know. But wouldn't it be so much better for a father to do that? Listen, if you're not in a discipleship, a D-Life group, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go try and obey the scriptures to go fishing for men, and you don't know how. And you don't have people around you to help you, to guide you, to teach you to do that. You're just going to live your life aimlessly. The Bible says we do not live aimlessly. And you're, that's all we're doing. Most church people today are living aimlessly. Every now and then, we'll try to reach for a fish, and we fail. And then what happens when we fail? I'm just not going to try anymore. So what you and I need is a small group of people to teach each other, to live with one another, to do life together, to grow with one another it's exactly what we have done in our churches. We talk a lot about fishing for men and making disciples. And listen, you've heard me preach passionately about reaching the lost for Jesus. But I have to say, I often fail to teach our people how to do it, how to fish for men, and fail to provide a simple tool for disciple making. And therefore, it leaves us learning for ourselves on how to do it, how to make disciples. And you know how it goes. After many failed attempts, you eventually just give up and conclude that Disciple-making is just not my thing. It's a major spiritual dilemma with immeasurable consequences. Five million every ten years losing in the church. Twenty-four million uh, we're losing. It's got to change. And the role of church leaders like myself is to equip believers for the work of ministry to do greater work of ministry and disciple-making. So it's time for myself and us as leaders to do our job and equip and empower you, God's people, for this disciple-making movement. I want you to join us in this movement. So what is your part? How can you live out your supreme purpose in life? Well, first, you must be a follower of Jesus. first two words of Jesus to his disciples were, follow me, follow 
They immediately left their nets and followed Jesus. The choice to follow Jesus is the greatest choice you will ever make. Listen, are you following Jesus? Not you've believed in some religious facts. Are you following? If you have never repented of your sins and turned to follow Jesus as Savior and Lord, I invite you to do so even this morning. Secondly, if you are a follower of Christ, Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. If you are not fishing for men, you're not following Jesus. So how do we change that? Number one, believe that you can live a lifestyle of disciple-making, of following Jesus. And number two, be equipped and empowered for disciple-making in your life, to have a the lifestyle of disciple-making. So let, let, me, let me tell you this. If you in this room say, I know I'm saved, but I'm not following Jesus, I'm not fishing for men. Listen, this D-Life training is for you. First of all, believe that you can live that life of disciple-making, and you need to be equipped and empowered to do so. And that's what this training is for. Hopefully it will change the way you think about your life and, and your purposes in life. Listen, I pray you'll set aside every distraction and fully devote yourself to training for your supreme purpose in life. And Man, this training this afternoon is going to help train you in disciple-making. One, to be a disciple. Two, to follow Jesus. To be a, a disciple-maker. Listen, I'll tell you this. If nobody shows up, every dad in this room better show up. Because you have a responsibility to disciple your children. You say, I don't have anybody to disciple. You've got some little people living in your house that God has given to you to disciple them. What are you reproducing in them? Just a good old faithful church member comes every Sunday? Or are you producing a boy or girl that is following Jesus? That's up to you to decide, not me. Mama's in the room. Every mama ought to be there. You've got a responsibility to disciple your children in cooperation with your husband to disciple your children. Grandparents, you're still a mom and a daddy. You're a nana or a pawpaw or whatever. You have responsibility. That, that responsibility never ends. All of us have coworkers that need Jesus. Teenagers, are you following Jesus? Are you being obedient to the scriptures to follow the Lord Jesus? He says, disciple-making for me? Absolutely. It's for everybody. If you're a follower of Jesus, disciple-making is for you. Sign up back there. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for the scriptures. God, I pray for all of us in this room, my convictions on our heart. Lord, I, I have no doubt that there are people in this room much like me who have really failed in following you completely. Lord, I, I can put on a really good front and make people think that, oh, my, buddy, he, he's on it. He, look, look at him. Man, he's passionate about this, passionate about that. Lord, often I fail at fishing for people. Lord, forgive me for that. Listen, if you're in this room, this invitation is twofold. Number one, it's for believers, for those you, you claim, you say, I know I'm saved, Mike. I, I, know, I, I know the Lord. I've repented of my sins. I know that. But, Mike, I have to be honest. I have not been following Jesus. I've not been fishing for men. I know that. And listen, if you know that, number one, would you acknowledge that before the Lord? He already knows. But you ought to acknowledge that before Him. And this invitation is for you to come and repent. But here's the great thing about it. You say, I've not been fishing for men. I've not been following Jesus. Here's the wonderful part of Jesus. 
there is much grace. And the grace of God will come over your life in the form of repentance. And God's grace will rush over you like a mighty waterfall. And man, you can bend on your knee at an altar with great repentance and stand up with great uh, joy knowing that Christ has forgiven you. And that from this point on, you're going to be a follower of Jesus and go fish for men to make disciples. So come and pray. Twofold. Second one is this. Maybe you're in the room and you say, Preacher, this all sounds great, but I'm not a disciple myself. I'm not even following Jesus. This invitation is for you. To come to know Christ, to follow Him. Not just to believe in some facts, but to truly follow Jesus. Repent of your sins. You pray a prayer like this. Lord, forgive me. I have sinned. And because of my sins, I've been separated from you. Lord, I believe what Jesus did for me on the cross, that he died for my sins. He paid a penalty that I could not pay. He did that for me. And I receive what Christ has done for me. And Lord, I pray that you would save me. God, that you would enter into my life through the Holy Spirit and you would transform my heart and renew my mind. And Father, I want to follow you. Jesus, I want to follow you. Listen, if you've prayed that prayer, the Bible says all of heaven rejoices and hey, we want to join them. I'll be down front, Pastor Matt, Pastor John, we'd love to talk with you, celebrate with you, whatever the case may be. Come and pray. Allow the Lord to speak to your heart. Father, we pray that, God, we would be obedient to the call of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and sing with us?